I'm Tass Mellis of The Starters. This is Ben Golver with the Open Floor Podcast. Hi, I'm Kristen Ludlow from NBA Inside Stuff. I'm OG Ananobi of the Toronto Raptors. Hey, I'm Elena Donon, and welcome to the Double Clutch. Double Clutch. Double Clutch. Double Clutch. Double Clutch Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Double Clutch NBA Podcast. My name is Matthew Wellington, and tonight I'm joined, as you can see on Twitch, by a host of Double Clutch staffers. I think we call it staffers. I don't really know what you call people who contribute in their spare time, but who knows? Uh, we've got Hugh Hopkins. hey Rocking that WNBA sweater. Might be the only one in, in the whole of Europe that he's got there, possibly. <laughs> I've, I've, uh, I, I think Nick. I've seen like, like three others. So yeah, I, I don't <laughs> think I'm alone. We've got Nick Whitfield. Hello, everyone. With Crying Jordan behind him, as usual. That's the tradition these days. And Tom Hall. Good evening. I am the only one letting the side down tonight, not wearing anything basketball related. We're just rocking the cardigan instead. So. You have got a suspicious looking hammer behind you though, so we won't get oh, on the side of you. Brilliant. I've just seen that. Brilliant. Just in case oh, anything dear. goes to pot, I'm taking it out on the I, I on the don't think we can see it on Twitch, so yeah, well, well covered. We're, we're good. <laughs> So this is our 2019 to 2020 season review. It was supposed to be Mike Miller here. Obviously, I'm not Mike Miller. Um, he's had a family emergency to deal with, so I've stepped in and come off the bench providing some sort of scoring. Um, going to go through basically what his, his order was and we'll run through the season in quarters or we might just end up just chatting because that's probably what's what's going to happen. There's so many of us in here. I can't imagine we'll, we'll struggle to fill. But obviously... We had a really hectic preseason. Um, we did a season preview on the website. A bunch of people contributed to that. So thank you, everybody who contributed to that. Over the year, we've done, I think, around 55 or so podcasts, including WNBA, BBL. So, you know, Hugh, Josh, Nick, everybody has chipped in. Tom, everybody who, you know, who, who's worked for Double Clutch this year, just a massive thank you from myself personally. Um, we didn't do a guide this year, did we? We didn't do a proper PDF. We just did a, an online website we did an thing. Online from what one. I that, was, that was pretty hefty. That was, it was <laughs> pretty still hefty. Hard work. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, the NBA season got underway. Obviously, we had the Daryl Morey problems uh, with China, which was a big part of the first few weeks of the year. Adam Silver estimated that it would lose the league something like 400 million in revenue. LeBron feigned not knowing about what was going on in China, which everyone finds um, difficult to believe. And yeah, I mean that was that was sort of a strange start to the season, wasn't it, guys? I mean, Hugh, what were your thoughts on what was going on between the NBA and China? I mean, I think the last game of the finals was it Game Five was streamed, so the one year ban is now up. But that's only because we had a longer than normal season. <laughs> uh, I mean, Chinese democracy eventually got him fired, didn't they? You know, he's, he's gone now, and you you know that was the plan all They're along. They're playing the long game, but they did it. <laughs> I didn't think that album by Guns N' Roses was that bad. No, no. <laughs> yeah, it was. You always, um, you always it, count on Nick for a pop culture reference. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was a pretty crazy first few weeks, wasn't it? Because that was that was preseason. Even was it that we hadn't even had any proper yeah, games I think, yet? Yeah, and um, and then it just went got worse and worse. Really, I mean, it was. It, to me, this whole season was like um, it was like the start to the finish of Game of Thrones, packed into one NBA season. <laughs> you had a huge plot twist right out the gate. Um, then you had gripping drama with dozens of plot lines that you couldn't really keep up. Um, no spoilers because I'm in season five at the moment. 
Okay, <laughs> I won't, I won't, I won't Don't spoil do any it. major things. But, but we had tragedies. We had, and then we went into like deaths of David Stern and Kobe Bryant. And then we had heroic moments when all these players were doing all these social justice campaigns and these epic perfor- individual performances on the court. And then you had this weirdly long gap between, between I think it was the fifth and the sixth season. And then you had this weirdly long gap um, in the NBA season. Um, and then, you know, and then the final couple of seasons, then, yeah, the, the final few weeks of of the NBA season, uh, it was just really rushed and everybody sort of got the ending that you thought was going to happen, but it was kind of a disappointment. <laughs> Sorry if that's, a, yeah. if that's a spoiler, Tom. I'll not read into it too much. It, it was complete chaos. I mean, I think Hugh and Tom, you two were on the season preview show and I, I, I did go through and check early to see if there's any clangers in there. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't pick up on anything. You did say, you did, you did all mention something about this year being the year of defense. Um, so I don't know if we saw that because obviously the Clippers came crashing out quite early, but it was a strange regular season to start off with. I mean, you had all the, the performance enhancing drug bans, Wilson Chandler, DeAndre and John Collins, like, that completely screwed the Suns over because they were going on an amazing run. I think Hugh, you wrote a piece of like in the first couple of weeks about how it looked like the Suns had turned a corner and then it all went wrong. Um, Golden State were having loads of problems at this time, and you know I think Tom, you correctly predicted that that the Warriors weren't going to do much this season. So kudos to to you on that one. Um, we did as a team, I think, though, end up with the Lakers as seventh in our when we put all of our predictions together. So that didn't go down. Uh, I, I didn't think, go I think, didn't go the way we thought. I think Nick's algorithm messed up there. I'm, bl- I'm blaming him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I put them third. I know that for a fact. So I'm, I'm, I'm claiming something. <laughs> um, so the performance enhancing drugs problem. Um, the Lakers started the season seventeen and two. The Bucks were twenty four and three at the start of the year. The Utah Jazz were one of those teams that started well, then dropped off again and then got good again. I mean, they won 14 out of 15 games in a row at one stage of the season, but then they lost nine out of 13. So they were one of those teams that was just a bit all over the place. Um, the you know the Raptors showed that losing Kawhi wasn't that big a problem, really. So they still finished with, the, it was the second seed in the end, I think they finished with. And they had a remarkable season. You've got um, Joel Embiid versus Carl Anthony Towns, like we mentioned last week. The beef that spilled out onto social media, which is something I totally had forgotten about. I mean, that's been the biggest thing this year. I mean, how what can you you guys actually remember from pre-COVID? Because <laughs> because it seems like it was like two years ago now. <laughs> it's been crazy looking through these notes because I've just been going through them all today, thinking, oh yeah, that was actually this season. Yeah, um, just with it being <laughs> over a year from where we would be normally. Um, even thinking back to in the preseason, we had the World Championships, and because that was the only basketball content we had, like. And then that led straight into the season. That feels like 10 years ago when that happened. Um, so coming off that into the, the Joel Embiid stuff with with Towns, that literally seems like three or four seasons ago. <laughs> um, so it is nuts looking down some of this stuff and thinking that it's the same season for me. Yeah, I think Nick was at the World Cup doing stuff for FIBA at the time. So that was that, that does seem like a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, and this season has felt bizarrely long for that reason in that the... You often hear people talk about how either detrimental or beneficial international basketball is for players coming into a season. And a lot of the players who did really well this year or overperformed what you expected necessarily were actually out of the World Cup. So people like Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown, Tatum, uh, Ricky Rubio had an unbelievable season and Spain won the FIBA World Cup. So uh, it really felt like a lot of uh, players really benefited from that time out in China. Um, and it was weird for that reason where 
we already talked about the um, issues the Rockets had, Daryl Moore in particular, with uh, commenting on yeah. Chinese politics. Um, but it really has been a year where the position of China on the global level is um, has been under discussion for that re- very reason. I'm an Arsenal fan and a uh, very similar uh, issue happened with Meza Ozil commenting on Chinese politics with that club. So the position of uh, China in the world and its importance to the global economy and everything is kind of uh, really at breaking point with uh, global sports like basketball and football. Yeah. I mean, the original tweet, I think, was fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. So that obviously didn't go down too well. Um, That's all been, that hasn't come out of the press since, you know, China started changing laws and all kinds of things over there. But um, yeah, it was a difficult situation for the NBA. I think, They'll rectify it. The cap situation as a whole this year is going to be going to be strange. I mean, I mentioned it on NBA UK fans live at Fire the other day. Last year it was like a what 109 and a bit million for for teams. This year we don't really know what that's going to be with regards to COVID and obviously the revenue that the the NBA has probably lost from the Chinese TV deal. So it's been a weird one. Um, we obviously had the Xmas Day games, which seems weird because we I don't think we'll get any Christmas Day games this year. I mean, we might be lucky. It looks like they're trying to get the season started as soon as possible, but that seems too too soon for me. And certainly got us panicking anyway when it comes to doing off-season content if we've only got like another eight weeks or whatever <laughs> to, to do everything. Um, the Celtics played the Raptors on Christmas Day and they won that one. Philly played the Bucks, they won that one. Uh, the Rockets and the Warriors, I think that might have been the last one of the last games we saw the Houston Rockets without Russell Westbrook and without their ultra small ball lineup, which they, you know, tried to some success during their regular season and then ran into a bit of a brick wall in the in the postseason. I mean, what do you think's next? We, we're talking about Houston quickly. I mean, what do you think's next for that team? Is are they gonna try and move James Harden or is he the impossible man to move? I, I followed the Rockets as a second team for a few seasons now, and I feel like I'm one of James Harden's biggest and only fans. Um, <laughs> so I, I feel like he's the sort of player you don't move because he's too good. He's too yeah. effective. Um, but it's about tweaking how you try and use him and how you complement him. And the uh, removal of both D'Antoni and Daryl Morey tells me the franchise is probably looking to go in a different direction. What that is until we see the replacements, I think is impossible to say, but it's going to be interesting. And I've heard a number of people question quite rightly, I think, how James Harden will adapt to going to a more traditional role potentially when he's got used to essentially having the ball in his hands every single possession. I think it's going to be a more traditional team. Like you said, you don't get rid of two of the pioneers of um, unusual basketball uh, to replace them with someone who's going to come in and create more Carry even on, unusual yeah. basketball. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm thinking, you know, they're going to find a centre to put in there. They're going to find um, maybe even a point guard who actually handles the ball rather than turning it over to James Harden all the time. And to be honest, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see him, uh, you know... Maybe like Chris Paul. Yeah, that, that'd be a good option. Um, but like, yeah, maybe throw in a few backdoor cuts. Maybe pair him with a power forward who's high flying but can also shoot. I, I thought, I thought Blake Griffin might be a nice idea, but whether or not both of them will hold, hold out and be healthy for the for a whole season, we'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to see him in a more traditional setup and yeah, see, see if 
you can get the most out the, the most out of him that way because as successful as it has been this experiment that the rockets have been doing for i mean three four four nearly five no four seasons they've since um, they signed ryan anderson yeah yeah you know it seems like they've it's been fantastic but it's not resulted in the ultimate goal uh that they wanted to do um you know akin to the phoenix suns or that d'antoni used to used to run yeah and i think I'd link. I'd like. I'd link the Houston Rockets to something I think is becoming more and more noticeable every season at the moment. Where doing well in the regular season um, does not guarantee doing well in the playoffs with the same brand of basketball necessarily. There's so yeah. many teams who, um, because of uh, the number of games, because of the lack of preparation time, if you are an unorthodox team you'll tend to do well in the regular season because teams have to change what they do either defensively or offensively or whatever's weird about you to match you, which they're not used to doing in the regular season. And once it's the like fourth game in five days or something, and that's at the end, that's probably a schedule loss just because they didn't have preparation time to play against you versus in the playoffs where the coaches actually have time to game plan everything. You see those teams get exposed a little bit. And I think Houston was like that. And I'd even put Milwaukee in that category for this season yeah. who ploughed their way through the regular season and then just weren't that good a playoff basketball team this year. I just yeah, think I mean, this is this is the end for the Rockets, I think, <laughs> in this similar vein to when the Nets um, acquired like Pierce and Garnett and gave up so many picks into the future and then just crippled themselves for years. I think it could be the same for the Rockets. And in a few years' time, we could be looking back at the trades that they've made over the past couple of seasons and just saying, why on earth? I mean, the stuff that they gave up for Westbrook and giving Chris Paul in return, um, yeah. they've just got nothing to, to go at the free agents with now or go at with trades. Um, and the one guy that you could rely on to make trades around the edges and pick up players like, you look at Daniel House and PJ Tucker and Gerald Green, these reclamation products... Uh, projects rather they're all as a result of Daryl Morey um, having that insight and that feel for players on the on the fringes and they've not got yeah. him anymore so I really worry about him uh, going forward well they've been a bit caught off guard really because they built that team to go up against the Golden State Warriors and they obviously met them a couple of times in the, the Western Conference playoffs yeah. but then the Warriors dropped out this year so they end, ended up going against teams that had far more size than them and they just couldn't couldn't cope with it so I think Houston are in a difficult situation I mean obviously we just mentioned the cap situation, but also if you're trying to move somebody right now, other teams aren't necessarily wanting anybody because there's a massive free agency class next year. I think it is, is it yep. 2021 when there's a huge, like a super duper incredible free agency class full of all of the the best players you could possibly hope for. And a lot of the teams are sort of praying and hoping out for that one. And that's why like, you know, the Lakers won the championship, but like they're in a really good position for that as well, because they just have to sort out a roster to run it back this year. And then they'll probably have cap space to to pursue there. And a lot of the teams have been preparing for that. So, you know, Oklahoma as well are another team that did incredibly well this season behind their sort of three guard rotation they had there. Um, and they they might be looking to move some guys this summer to see if they can clear up some space for their the sort of rapid fire there, um, their rebuild in 2021. Um, going back to the season quickly, I mean, early in the MVP race, it was Giannis, Luca, and Harden in a distant third. Um, we kind of covered that MVP race right at the start of the season. I think, Hugh, you wrote quite a few pieces for the site about the MVP race. I mean, in the end, do you think the the winner of the MVP was deserved? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, there's 
it's a regular season award and Yanis was the was the king this season. Um, you know, Le- LeBron did fantastically well and I did have him closing the gap before um, because Yanis went down with a knee injury um, towards the the tail end of the season before before everything got shut down. And yeah. I think LeBron had about a three week gap where he could a three week period where he could close the gap. Um, but it just didn't happen. And if the season ends there, which it sort of did, um, I think, yeah, you have to you have to base it on what on what you've seen. And those final three weeks in the bubble or whatever, or two weeks in the bubble where they played those eight games, you know, I I think I probably I didn't necessarily include them in the um, top five MVP race that I covered throughout the year, but um, I would say even including that, um, I don't mm. think LeBron was necessarily the best player of of the bubble. So um, I I would say even including that, I w- I wouldn't say LeBron caught up with Giannis. Hugh, do you think do you think for next season what's happened in the playoffs this year will affect? the MVP race next year and whether that kind of counts Giannis out because people have got in the back of their minds uh, you can't do it in the playoffs it's, maybe we don't want to give it him a third year in a row for the <laughs> narrative or... there will be an element of that I think he's um, outlived his uh, he's you know outstayed his uh, welcome on the MVP race as it were but um, you know he, he could take it up another notch he could hit 40% from three and he could you know lead the league defensively and offensively again um, and perhaps, you know, he will still be in that top three, maybe. Um, but I think it's, you know, you you see it with with players who who reach MVP status time after time, but don't take the, take it all the way. I think that's why Harden hasn't won a second MVP is because, you know, he's he he's proven he can do it in the regular season. But actually people are a bit fed yeah. up of him, you know, doing so yeah. well in the regular season and then flaming out. <laughs> winning free throws all the time. <laughs> um, we, we obviously got to January and this was like the most emotional month I can think of when it came to came to the NBA. David Stern obviously passed away, as, as you mentioned, Kobe and his daughter passed away in a, in a helicopter crash. We did several pieces of content for that. That was quite a strange period for me because double clutch would not be a thing if I hadn't have, you know, watched Kobe Bryant highlights when I was younger. Um, so that was a, that was a strange period of time. Um, and obviously the coronavirus outbreak started then you had Rudy Gobert touching all the microphones. Um, I think it was the jazz and the thunder game got suspended just minutes before it was due to tip off. And you had crowd booing because they didn't know what was going on. Um, the games obviously stopped on March the 11th. Um, which was really disappointing because like the period before then we'd had Damian Lillard was on a credible tear from what I remember. He had an unbelievable month where he just was tearing everybody to shreds, um, particularly against the Lakers. Steph Curry returned at the start of January and looked like he was going to try and like win a couple of games for the Warriors by himself. That obviously didn't go um, to plan in the end, but yeah, it was really disappointing that the sort of the halt to the season came when it did. I mean, what can you what did you guys think at the time? Like, were you thinking we were going to get this bubble? Because, you know, it was so up in the air that nobody really knew knew anything. I uh, I thought the season was done. Um, I yeah. thought there was, you know, there was a period when we were still trying to figure out what the hell was happening in the world um, where I thought, oh, no, we'll, we, we might see, see it return. But I think I went on, uh, it might have been Five Live or something uh, to, to talk about <laughs> it. And... I was just like, no, I think this is probably it. To be honest, it's it. 
it just didn't seem possible. And it, full credit goes to the NBA and and Adam Silver and uh, and even the WNBA for for managing to get everything up off the ground with to the point where where they could run two successful well the 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 end of one season and an entire playoffs and then an entire season in the bubble. I mean, it's it's incredible considering how far down a black hole we were to 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 rebuilding to to yeah. the level of success that it had. I've been in denial this whole time, I think. I remember having the staff meeting uh, where they were like, we're going to close for two weeks until the Easter holidays. Uh, <laughs> and I thought, oh, I'll be fine after Easter, it'll be okay. And then I, I think still haven't come to terms with how long this could be going on for. Um, but yeah, it's not a nice memory to keep bringing up that grim period of no. there's no plans for the NBA return. Uh, we don't know what it's going to look like if it comes back at all. So that's just like a not not a good period of, of life to look back on. Where, yeah. where were all you guys when, like, were you all watching that first uh, sort of Boris Johnson press conference? Like, when he said three weeks, I thought, three weeks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, well, I can't really remember that. That massive period, that period of the year was all a, a blur for me because, like, I mean, I don't think I've spoken about it, but, like, my nan was in hospital at the time and then she got moved out of to a care home and in the end she had COVID and then we had to isolate for 14 days and this was when, like, you know, it all kind of hit me in a, in a, the spell of six six weeks because I was made redundant as well. So it was all um, it was all chaos at the start of this year, but then obviously basketball coming back. Um, we It wasn't all doom and gloom. We did get the last dance and with Nick Whitfield here and the Jordan um, thing he's got going on in the background, it, it, we had to mention the fact that the last dance came along to sort of save everybody. And basketball interest in the UK at that point seemed to just rise massively. You had Talk Sport and Five Live all mm. talking about it. The UK, and, and actually, it's a question that Ginger Shack was, we were going to answer later, but Ginger Shack asked in the Discord this week, how has the UK fandom sort of leveled up a bit in this past few period? And I think it genuinely has. I think people have had a bit more time to just sort of sit around and, and watch basketball games. So the fact that the last dance hit when it did, I think helped quite a bit. Yeah. And I, I'll go into a bit of detail on that one. Oh, just for the record, <laughs> I'm wearing a Jordan UNC as well. Nice. I'm completely Jordaned out. Um, that was really... Who's the goat? <laughs> Don't get me started on that one. I'll throw that back and back into Discord. <laughs> um, it was really interesting on my Twitter timeline as a dual basketball and football fan, uh, seeing the number of people who I only ever see talk about football suddenly also yeah. talking about basketball was <laughs> baffling to me, um, but in a good way. And I think it also depressed me in a little way in that I've always maintained that basketball is such a good sport that all you need to do is to be able to put it in front of a captive audience and it's good enough that people will embrace it. Yeah. Um, which, as a UK basketball fan, is always a kind of depressing thing where it's that simple, <laughs> but we still can't seem to do it uh, in an effective way to kind of really push the sport in this country. Um, but for me, it was a really... Um, amazing thing to do because uh, Jordan's second 3 P um, really coincided with me becoming a, a go, moving from a sort of casual to a hardcore NBA fan. So reliving all of those uh, games and those memories was uh, incredible, a, a really kind of tough time of the year. So yeah. And, and all of those it. Knicks losses, right? It was just glorious to, to rewatch. <laughs> 
Well, obviously, obviously, also the finals uh, runs around interspersed by those balls. Also unsuccessful, obviously. <laughs> Crying John. Slander. Um, there's quite a bit of chat going on in the, the Twitch at the moment. Thank you to everybody who is watching. If you're not watching, you can come along next week. It's twitch.tv forward slash double clutch UK. Mike Miller usually does that plug, so I thought I'd just step in and intervene there before we ended up talking about Michael Jordan a bit too much. Somebody's just asked which one. I'll get my words out. Who's the who's the Shaq, Ernie, Chuck, and Kenny? There's four of us here, so I think Chuck we've got some time Chuck. to just sort of. Who's Chuck or not Chuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll happily take Chuck. He's a he's a. I'm furthest on the right, so. <laughs> Well, I'm getting comments about my little gaming headset about me doing a rendition of Britney Spears, so I'll have to just do that privately for Mo Moonsy later in the Hoop Genius. Um, strange content being requested here on a on a Monday night. Um, that's for uh, that's for Matt's OnlyFans. <laughs> oh dear. Um, so yeah, we obviously had the season restarted. Um, we had the sort of hashtag whole new game that the NBA were pushing. There was a lot of sort of very. UK friendly or European friendly sort of marketing when it came to game times mm. and it, it seemed like at that point the sort of UK audience was peaking a bit I mean even a couple of my friends who have you know no interest in basketball were, were watching games that were on Sky just because they were on a lot earlier and I think we all kind of benefited from that as a as a community you know, I'm sure Sky Sports benefited from that in terms of like um, viewership and stuff so Having games on at earlier times was was massive for everybody. Did any of those games stick out to anybody in particular, like those sort of seeding games we had? I mean, the Suns were amazing. Uh, we've got to get the, the Bubble Suns a mention. Yeah, there was that Devin Booker shot that will live along in the memory. Oh, I yeah, think. with the, the laying out on the court. Yeah, amazing. yeah, yeah. Beautiful moment. <laughs> I think just that whole run where you, you know, that, that group of um, teams five through 12 in yeah. uh, in the western conference you know it could have just gone any way really you know we could have had anyone in that final spot um and that's what made it so exciting and it i i was sort of against the whole idea of like a play in tournament before before seeing it this year but um i think yeah i think it was a perfect perfect way to end you know a, well not a perfect way to end because it was sort of you know thrown in halfway through the season but it was a perfect way to yeah. end a confusing and difficult season and having that final playing game that was such an exciting game uh that yeah I'm, I'm all for it if the nba wants wants to switch that up and change how they do things towards the end of the season i i'm i'm on board I think uh, going back to the Suns, it's such a, a weird season for them in that I can't remember a like a more enjoyable, completely unsuccessful season from a team. <laughs> uh, yeah, like it really like incredible to watch. Uh, Aaron Baines was uh, like a demigod for parts of the season. Ricky Rubio was awesome. Like they had really like unbelievable stretches of play, but like they had nothing at all to show for it. So. I yeah. can't wait for them to come back next year with real expectations and then the same thing to just happen again, like they'll finish 14th or 15th or something in the conference. Um, but- we've, we've liked the start of the new season all up in the air and however many games or length or whatever next year all to be discussed. Would would you guys like vote for a uh, like a World Cup type scenario mid-season? I mean, I, Mo, who's in the chat right now, he did a YouTube video where he sort of broke down a sort of FIBA World Cup slash Champions League type thing. I mean, would you guys be in favour of, of something like that, even if it was just like the, you know, the sort of the lottery teams or something? I've, I've been all for it for a few years. I, I, I've 
written several articles on it, but I think it needs to be, it needs to be, personally, I'm I'm all for like halving the number of regular season games and then having yeah. two tournaments. One is like d- a divisional tournament played earlier in the season and each of the winners then of those divisions then goes through to a sort of final stage of the World Cup later in the season. Um, and my ultimate plan for that is that like, that divisional tournament could then ultimately be a sort of worldwide international club tournament, you know, where you get the top clubs from Europe and the top clubs from China all competing in this tournament. And I I think then you can really, you know, all these NBA teams always say they're the world champions. They're not. They're the NBA champions. <laughs> Spain are the world champions. They're American champions. Yeah. And so I think that's that's when you can really say you're the world, you know, basketball team, basketball club champions. <laughs> like is is once you actually play all of the other teams. With the the concept of like a mid season tournament. My default position on anything in life is 100% cynicism. Um, but one one thing, especially with that, because like it's hard to establish um, people to care about a competition that has no history, for example, and so there's no mm. uh, associated value with um, winning it necessarily. But I think that can be overcome. And one thing I was totally wrong on this year we haven't talked about was the All-Star Game. Where I thought yeah. I, I really hated yeah. the uh, when I saw the changes written down, I really hated all of them, uh, and we saw what happened. It was the best All Star game for a long time. So yeah. yeah, happy to admit I was totally wrong on that. Do you think? Yeah, it Team would... LeBron won that one by like a two points, I think, didn't they? Do Do you think? Um, do you think it would have the same effect like in future years? I mean, it was it just a novelty value this year. I don't know. There was a lot riding on it this year. Like teams seemed to want to play just because of what had happened with Stern and Kobe and obviously Gianna. Like they seemed to really want to just go out there and play their hearts out. So I'm I'm not too sure. It's one of those things where I think players base it on their situation at the time. Like, you know, if they've got a lot to then have to do after the all-star break, then maybe they don't quite give it their all. I, I don't know. Who knows? But yeah, I, I was a I was a big fan of the All Star Game, and like touching on what you just said, it was the first time after Davidson, after Kobe, after Gigi, where the NBA all got to get together. Really, um, yeah. you know, it was a it was a a very poignant time, and you know, we got to see all those beautiful tributes. Um, and I think I think you, you know the difficulty that they had had at the start of this year and throughout this season, I think sort of helped create a unity to not just um, get everything back together, uh, you know, for the bubble, but also, you know, but before anything started, with all these social justice movements, you know, we saw all these players sort of getting together to go out and lead marches. Um, You know, I think Josh put a fantastic article together on uh, on Jalen Brown and um, and how he was inspired by Kareem, um, mm-hmm. but and, and that's why he had such a strong voice in it and wanted to be at the forefront of it. But so, but he wasn't the only one. So many players did on, on, on in the NBA and the WNBA, where I, I think that's been for me. That's been the thing that I've been most proud of being a basketball fan this year is is not the fact that they managed to pull off some games in in Disney World it's because you know they <laughs> they stepped up when it mattered and um they weren't worried about 
uh, about the fact that it might cost them money, the, f- the fact that it might, yeah. you know, cost them fans. They they did what was right. Yeah, and obviously the Bucks just sort of cancelled a playoff game and walked out and said, we're yeah. not playing. They didn't even tell. Was it the Magic they were playing? I don't think they even told them they were they yeah. were going to do that. So we had that point where, again, the season was a bit, oh, we don't know what's happening, but they're, they're fair, you know, fair play to everyone. They sort of sat down and refocus the issue I think was what they were trying to do with that and um they managed to do so and you know they've 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 really put Black Lives Matter at the forefront of everything and the WNBA have as well I mean Hugh sitting there wearing that hoodie they had record viewing figures I think it was this year and incredible finals um and and they were you know even more vocal than I think a lot of the the sort of the NBA stars were so mm-hmm. yeah shout out to the the women's NBA um the playoffs as a whole did you guys enjoy them or did you think they were a bit of a mare? I mean, I think the viewing figures are down, but I think that's just a trend in sports at the moment. TV figures are down, but digital engagement and content consumption is massively up. So yeah. what, what we're seeing, and if we take The Last Dance as an example, there is a TV rating of zero because it's a, such an old-fashioned way of measuring um, actual like consumption of sports mm. content. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I really don't think it's anything. And it's also changing. Like if you look at how younger people consume content, it's more and more short form stuff. It's TikTok rather. Well, first of all, it's Instagram, then it's TikTok, even shorter form. So it like people just because someone doesn't sit and watch a whole game doesn't mean they're not following the league and the, the like the value of the property is any less necessarily. Yeah. Well, I think Harry's one of the, like Harry writes to the site is one of those sort of, you know, Flit, flitters in and out and watches YouTube highlights and bits and bobs like that and that's and he, he knows his game as well as as any of us here so it's one of those just sort of changing generation things I mean it's like doing podcasts I guess like when I started doing podcasts it was all audio and now it's all branched out into to video and Twitch and live streaming and it's just it's constantly constantly changing TikTok's not something we've picked up on yet though I don't know who's going to take responsibility for running the um, (laughs) the double clutch if anyone's interested um, get in touch TikTok yeah (laughs) (laughs) Kirk's out I think that might be a Josh Coyne thing um Post-game analysis, I mean, favourite moment of the season from everybody. I'm just going to run through what we we had sent to us. Um, Harry, who I just mentioned, said his favourite moment has to include LeBron passing Kobe. Um, yeah, that was a cool moment. And it was strange that that was only a, a week or so, or a couple of days before Kobe passed the Roy, I yeah, think. Yeah. So that was a, a strange moment. Um, Flying Tortoise, who has put um, favourite moment was seeing the Suns go undefeated in the bubble, followed by the Denver Nuggets run in the playoffs. That was great and quite unexpected. Um, Matt Hardy, who runs UK Nets fans, um, he put, apart from the Suns, the bubble Nets being a sort of Cinderella story, a ragtag bunch of misfits coming in and beating the Bucks and the Clippers on their way. And then, yeah, Jamal Crawford's per, per 36 <coughs> numbers were insane. <laughs> what were your guys' favourite moments? I mean, I, I I thought Luca hitting the game winner against the Clippers was a big one. Like, that was a real I'm here moment for me. Mm-hmm. For me, it's a lot less of a, an important moment and more of a comedic <laughs> point. Um, thinking right back to the start of the season when taco time was a thing for the Celtics. Uh. <laughs> and there, there was a stunning moment that where Brad Stevens, who just never shows any emotion, the crowd's going nuts for taco to come on. Um, and he just kind of looks, <laughs> turns to the side and waves for taco to come on. The crowd goes berserk. He comes on and scores what feels like a million points. And he's got the best plus minus in the league for ages. But then, the, the there's also um, a, a, a beautiful cyclical moment with with Taco Fall is that you know he, he obviously went to the bubble 
um, and he was put in for that one shot. Yeah, uh, the last one. <laughs> and, uh, and, so, and someone tweeted uh, that that video where he was sort of trying to stop the inbounds, and yeah, yeah. Uh, the the caption on the video was "Taco, you had one job," and <laughs> he really did only have one job throughout their entire yeah. playoffs. But yeah, shout out Taco. I've got uh, three moments I'm going to shout out. Uh, the first is Aaron Gordon being robbed of the dunk contest by Dwayne Wade. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That guy cannot catch a break in a dunk contest. Um, the second is Jar Morant's entire rookie campaign. I think oh, he yeah. amazing. Is, uh, when I think back to this season, um, it's obviously been dominated by a lot of terrible things like COVID and Kobe dying and, and things like that. But John Morant is one of the like real positives I'll take away from this season and what I enjoyed um, going out my way to watch. Um, yeah. And the third is Dwight Howard turning up to a uh, DJ session on his own <laughs> in the bubble. And it just, that completely defined Dwight Howard's career in one moment. None of his teammates, no one else thought that was a cool thing to go to and he just walks in completely on his own. <laughs> it's like equally sad and funny at the same time. I'm, I'm super Dwight. pleased for Dwight Howard, man. Like, uh, you know, he's he's a dork and he's weird and he's annoying. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I think he bounced around the league for a long time. Just because, you know, he's clearly a bit of an bit of an annoying person to 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 be on a team with you know that's the reason why he didn't get along with so many players yeah. but like um i think he just had a rough ride you know he he had a really bad back for so many years and i didn't think him i, I didn't think i was going to see him on a championship team and and starting in in an nba finals like that's just that's just incredible. That's I, nuts, I'm, yeah. I was really pleased to see it. And, and finally accepting a role on a team. Yeah. Yeah. And and shout out to Mello as well for doing that. I didn't think Mello was ever going to accept a, you know, a, a third, fourth leading scorer on a team. Um, but he he did. He proved me wrong. It'll be interesting to see with the likes of with the likes of Mello and like Dion Waiters and J.R. Smith and even Dwight Howard, even though he's won the championship. With LeBron being with him for a year, whether he'll like, <laughs> he's fed up with him. accept him back. Yeah, whether that's like, one year's enough. Thank you very much. See you later. Enjoy your ring. Well, if he gets the, he gets the chance to put the banana boat crew and he has to sacrifice Dwight Howard, I know where Dwight's going. He's, going str- <laughs> he's yeah. getting his head straight chopped off. Um, but yeah, I mean, shout out to the Portland Trailblazer social media team as well, because I don't know if you guys were aware this week, but the Denver Nuggets posted their top five all-time <laughs> yeah. players and they missed Camelo off. So Portland did their own really quickly and sort of painted him into the corner. Mm. And uh, it was just, you know... The social media game of the NBA teams just embarrasses what we have over here when it comes to like you know the Premier League and some of the other sports. So it, it, I thought I'd shout out that the BBL <laughs> does a good job over here. To be fair, there's a lot of good good rival rivalries on uh, on BBL Twitter. Oh yeah, the Bristol Flyers branding stuff is up. Like from a marketing design perspective, I'm consistently impressed with the stuff that they uh, they keep pumping out. In terms of like the playoffs, what would, did you guys have a favorite series? I mean, like. I thought Boston Toronto might have just pinched it for me. That was just a phenomenal series. And to watch the Raptors fight with all that heart was just incredible. But I mean, did the finals within finals impressive for you or were they just sort of a bit of a meh? We kind of know the conclusion. The I, I actually felt the Heat were really well built um, to play against the Lakers. Um it's just a shame that they were so injured. I I don't know if they would have yeah. won, but um I mean it's you know, it's it doesn't 
I'm not saying that there's any sort of asterisks or, or there's any sort of, you know, reason why they, you know, it, it should be looked down upon because every year is determined by the health of one team or another, uh, whether they win or lose. And I'm not going to uh, disparage the Lakers for that. But I think actually the Heat could have given them a much better run for their money had we had yeah. Dragic and um, and Bam Adebayo for, for the whole series. Because I, yeah, I, I think that those two guys posed a lot of problems that um, I, I think the Lakers would have struggled with a little bit. For me, I think my favourite series was uh, Denver Clippers. Um, just because the Clippers, I think, were generally people's favourites uh, across the yeah. board. Um, and seeing uh, Jokic and Jamal Murray play the way they did. Uh, and the thing, that, uh, the other thing about the Clippers was they gave off a degree of arrogance um, quite a lot during the playoffs and mm. during the regular season. So I think for neutral fans... Uh, a lot of people were not necessarily unhappy to see the Nuggets take that series. They, they mm. had a Bret Hart feeling about it before he left the WWF. <laughs> you know, it was they were just proper whiny buggers, and nobody really enjoyed them being around anymore. I'm, yeah, that took forty-two minutes to get a, ref, a wrestling reference in. I think that's <laughs> that's a record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, moving on because we, we, we've, we've run it out of time quite quickly. Here. Um, nothing but Nick's silly nonsense is our usual topic here. We have the man himself, Mr. Nick Whitfield, on the show. So uh, we're going to run this over to you because I think you've got a trivia, which is probably going to turn into an embarrassment for us, us three doing it. I, I'm, I'm intrigued to do this live. Um, so what I've got here <laughs> is everyone loves the NBA. Everyone loves food. But what about <laughs> combining the two? I have a list here of uh, players with food-related names oh my or God. professions related to names. So two examples right. of what I'm looking for. Jimmy Butler, a profession related to food. Taco Fall, a food item as a name. How many can you name? <laughs> I'll give... Let, Oh my word. Let, let me give you a, a couple of minutes. Are you crazy? You any. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> and then I'll start giving you some clues. Oh let, let me give you some clues for my starting Jimmy five. Butler Baker. So mm. at, at point guard, a delicious spicy dish uh, associated <laughs> with India. Steph Curry. Steph Curry. Ah, oh, there we go. At shooting guard. Good job, uh, Tomsey. A uh, type of steak and one of Matt's favourite players. Kobe Bryant. Kobe, Kobe Bryant. Bryant. Oh, yeah. At small forward, a this guy is the goat when it comes to food-related names. His, not only <laughs> is his first name... His first name is a uh, fruit juice, and his second name is a food condiment. Oh. I don't think he's currently in the NBA. <laughs> he was a high draft pick, for played for the Bucks. I'm going to give it to you. It's OJ Mayo. <laughs> Uh, oh man! Oh, the next Michael Jordan, apparently. At four, uh, although he played small forward in his career, uh, <laughs> currently has a son in the NBA, and his last name is a type of food that would go nicely with Steph Curry. Poppadom. <laughs> what, what? What, what carbohydrate do you typically have with a curry? Rice. Oh, Glenn Rice. Jerry Rice. Glenn Rice. Glenn Rice. And That's a Jerry Rice. He's a footballer. My, uh, my starting centre, same name as the point guard. 
most one of the most disappointing free agent signings for the Knicks. I know that list is long. Uh, yeah. Another Curry. Eddie. Eddie oh, Eddie Curry. Ah, oh, man. Eddie okay, Curry. Uh, to, just to go down my list, I won't take <laughs> Tom's up too much time. But we have uh, Jeremy Lamb, uh, Dion Waiters, nice. Alan Crabb, Channing Frye, <laughs> Brandon <Yeah>. Bass, <laughs> Del Curry and Seth Curry, John Salmons, Darvin Ham, and Dwayne Bacon. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> to, to be fair, we what had a couple roster. For- we had a couple from Matt Hardy on the on the Twitch uh, chat. We did, yeah. Um, Ice dispenser Dinwiddie. <laughs> um, he he, he uh, was on the guest. He got OJ Mayo. OJ Mayo and um, and Phoenix Capri Suns. Shout out to all the Capri Sun OGs. <laughs> I think by the looks of it, next time uh, Nick does this, we'll have to have Matt Hardy on because he's clearly um, <laughs> he's on the, on the board. The rest of us, yeah. <laughs> We've got more of a clue than we have here. Yeah, um, talking Discord, um, discourse on Discord this week. Did you guys notice anything in particular besides the, the usual NBA 2K21 talk and uh, all the GOAT debates that seems to be popping up every couple of days? Well, usually have, we have something wrestling related, but I don't think I saw anything wrestling related in there this week. But we did have a, uh, some new people join, I think. So I'm trying to find the names now as, as I look down this document. Um, uh, well, one thing that, like, I mean, I mentioned it earlier just before we started recording, but um, uh, it sounds cool that uh the throwback store uh, is launching an app and a and a podcast so uh, i know mm. i know he occasionally um dips in so does hooping and looting um to to discord but yeah it would be interesting to see uh see if that shopping experience gets any better using a using a custom app i look forward to that yeah i, kn- I knew somebody had joined this week it was charlie liptrot joined us on the the 10th i think it was or the 15th sorry um, and authentic nine seven three. So hello to hello to the new people. Come and join us. It's uh, discord.me forward slash double clutch UK. That's set up by Kirk, who's kindly sitting there and pressing the buttons for the goat noises and things in the Shout background. Shout out, Kirk! Here. Shout out, Kirk, for all his incredible hard work. Live long um, and prosper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trading cards! Apparently, there was a giant trading card debate in in Discord this week. I wouldn't know because I wasn't actually on it this week. I've been a bit busy, but. Uh, <laughs> I missed I missed the 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 the, the um the trading card debate. Right, listen to questions. There was plenty of those actually. Um, this one's from DJ Santa Domingo. Who's the best player slash coach ever to be produced by the UK? Ooh, I'm are we this are one. we not including gonna... Nick Nurse in this? Well, should we include Nick Nurse? Yeah, he was like I don't see molded why not. by he, the UK. He molded was by be the my British basketball for coach just because I think his um, experience in the BBL moulded uh, the coach he became, as you guys mm. are alluding to as well. In terms of player? He, he also I mean, played in the BBL, did he not? Yes, yeah. Um, in terms of player, I think it's Lil Deng. It's got to be Lil Deng, yeah. isn't it? Um, yeah. I had a weird thing growing up about Ben Gordon. Yeah, Ben Gordon had a moment with the Bulls, didn't yeah, he, like yeah, in yeah. 2007 and eight when he played like, he was lights out, as he was a flamethrower basically against the Boston Celtics, which was... Cool memories. Um, he also came like entirely through the US system, though, so it's not the same yeah. as like Lord Deng, who yep. played a lot of his youth basketball before he went over to the states in the UK. So he, it's mean, harder to consider Ben Gordon. I think it's it's a real shame that um, I think Pops Mentor Bonsu had had some moments where he was going to be actually a, yeah. a very good role player for um for a, a, an NBA team. I think he was sadly derailed by injuries um on too many occasions, but he had a he had a few stints with the Spurs um 
I can't remember some of the other teams that he played for, but he he could have been Wizards, he, he had such athleticism, like ridiculous athleticism. Um the he could have been something special if he had been able to put it together on the on the NBA level. Um, and also, he's managed to retain a position, uh, you know, in the NBA world now. He's uh, uh, with the um, Washington G League franchise, so um, uh, I think he's GM over there. there there's a, there's a few people that have you know uh, sort of dipped in and out of BBL and NBA circles, um, and even WNBA. You know, we got An- Andrea Congreves, who was uh, an all-time uh, women's basketball player. Um, um uh obviously Temi Fagbenley um was uh yeah she was brought up in in the American system a little bit but you know spent the majority of her life over here um and well, she was put up nets recently with mine weren't yeah, she I yeah think she was. I saw on Twitter yeah I also don't think you can have this conversation without even mentioning John Amici who had Absolutely. some really good seasons for the Magic in particular and. I remember watching him when he came back and played in the BBL and I think it was what at the time was called the ULEB Cup, um, which was like a <laughs> mid-season tournament he, and he dropped 50-something in the final and it was like, it, it was just like, he was so clearly like levels above everyone else yep. on the floor. I'll never forget yeah. that. And I think just as in terms of like a sheer prospect, Ryan Richards, who was drafted by the Spurs, uh, but didn't actually play for them. Mm-hmm. He suffered with some shoulder injuries and some other stuff. But just as a, like a sheer prospect coming out of the UK, uh, from Kent, he was a real, um, a real top level talent as well. What about Joel Freeland? He seemed to have a pretty solid stay with mm-hmm. Portland. I remember him coming in and playing some crucial minutes against. He's he's it was still, Houston, Houston one season. He's still well loved by by the Portland franchise as well because he was part of that Brandon Roy group, you know, yeah, and he was, Marcus yeah. Aldridge, and so there's a lot of pictures of him floating around, and they're they're, off, they're often tweeting him and pictures well, of he, him and yeah. stuff. Quite weirdly, well, that he, was the team he, that set the records for three pointers in a in a game. Like they set the record, and then the Warriors broke it like three, four years <laughs> later. <laughs> weirdly, Joel Freeland is actually from like down the road from where I live and where I grew up, and so I couldn't believe it. I never met him or came across him in any way. And then reading when he was drafted and where he was from, I, I just couldn't believe it that I'd never heard of him yeah. or like come across him in any way. I think I already used to stack shelves at a local Tesco or something. Yeah, he's, he's still over. in the area, I think, because he, I think he, he trains with um, the Surrey Scorchers and stuff yeah. with um, Teo and all those guys. There's, who there are talks of him sort of turning up at a, at a, to actually join the team. I, I don't know how close uh, close to those rumours are to coming to fruition, but it'd be great to to see him, uh, you know, don don the Scorchers uh, jersey for a season. Yeah. Elliot from Hoop and then Luton, he said, on a scale of one to 10, how lazy are Nike's creative team? Oh, this is him getting angry. Are they lazy? (laughs) This was in relation to something specific, wasn't it? I can't remember what he was referring to. Yeah. Oh dear. (laughs) I think, wasn't it to do with the Nets jerseys? Oh, it was the Nets jerseys. Didn't they just like players in in front of a white wall or something? Oh, it was the photos, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, I, I guess teams are just telling players to like stand in front of a wall and take well, a selfie of themselves. It's a bit like a school <laughs> shot where they just put you in front of the roll down yeah. background and then force you to smile. That was the vibe you got from KD and Kyrie. I think um, I can't remember who said it. It might have been you, Matt, but um, I think uh, Joe Pynchon recently said that all the uh, 
all, all the NBA teams, creative teams, they're, they're basically just having to take pictures in their bedrooms yeah. at the moment. <laughs> like they've, they've got no access to a studio. So I think that's why uh, we're seeing some, you know, di- different looking uh, concepts than we're, than we're used to seeing at the moment. Yeah. Just jumping back to the last question. I know it was about players and coaches, but if you're looking at like media and marketing, I think Joe's got to be like number one <laughs> in terms of, you know, British exports to NBA franchises doing digital and media marketing sort of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Flying Tortoise, he put best coaching move so far of the off season, which seems to be like a week old. Getting rid of Jim Boylan (laughs) (laughs) was the best move, I think. I'm excited to see the Bulls next year. Um, Obviously, Boylan, I just think he's so old school. He doesn't really fit in the NBA anymore. And then you've got Donovan coming in, who's so, like, well, it's such a good fit. Which I think Harry wrote about on the website as well. So excited to see those. The for me the best coaching move is whichever team signs Becky Hammond. <laughs> I True. Think we mentioned a, that last week. We were shocked that she hadn't been picked. But like she doesn't even seem to get considered for some of these roles either. It's bullshit. Sorry, is it, I, sorry for swearing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's any of the coaching moves that I'm like really in love with and think they just overwhelm me with positivity. There's. The ones I'm interested to watch, obviously, Thibodeau with the Knicks being a Knicks fan, um, which is kind of a weird appointment for me. Uh, I think he's obviously a a good, experienced coach, but just with that young, inexperienced roster, seems a strange match. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, Steve Nash, um, what to expect from him is... It's hard to doubt him with what he, how he is as a yeah. person and as a player, but uh, really interesting to see how that meshes there. Um, and also Doc Rivers, just with how, if they don't make any big personnel moves, how he tries to do anything differently that they haven't done yet in Philly with that roster. I I wonder whether we are going to see some changes. I I just don't think. I I think bringing in a new coach it sort of signals, and also how many years is um, Elton Brand been there now? Is it just one season he's been there? Yeah, not very long, I don't think. Um, I think think he's going to want to put his stamp on the team a little bit. I think he's brought in a new coach who hasn't been with the team for a number of years, so he's going to have his own ideas. I reckon we might see a player moved. I don't know if it's going to be Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid, but um, certainly they're going to rethink the system a little bit, maybe. I was so high on them going into the season. I went back and found, you know, when we all did those tweets when we picked like Rookie of the Year and yeah. MVP, I, I may have put a certain Australian uh, um, MVP. So, oh my word. Yeah, that, that didn't go down too well in the end. But I was I was high on Philly. I thought they were going to really make yeah, the most of it this year, but they um they, they didn't in the end. Um, this, There was a second part to Flying Tortoise's question. He put, from the season this year, it looks like there is a little more parity across the teams within the two conferences. The higher ranked teams have looked less sturdy in crunch time situations. Hopefully, this means a lot, of, a lot more closer games. With this in mind, with 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 this in mind, which conference do you think will be more enjoyable to watch next season? Enjoyable to watch is an interesting question because I think the Western Conference is better, um, yeah. and I think I think the teams are better across the board. So there might not mm. be as many. There might be just as many wins to the top teams. Uh, compared to uh, the Eastern Conference. Um, But I think they're much harder to come by and you're going to see more Western Conference uh, lower seed teams battling for those bottom seed 
spots. Yeah. Whereas you are still going to get a, oh, this is the top four in the East. Um, and, you know, maybe a fifth or a sixth team is going to be, you know, it punch in for that race. But then I think it's going to be a bit more of a drop off. Um, yeah. You know, the, I, th- I still think we're going to be in that situation next season unless we see a bunch of changes. And I'm not willing to write off anything, quite frankly. I, I, God knows what's going to happen in the next few months, let alone by the start of next season. Yeah. I'm so excited just to see the Warriors come back yeah. um, in the West because I think so many people are sleeping on them. I read the other day there was like Bleacher Report put out a visual that was like the way too early power rankings for next season. And the Warriors weren't even on it. So, and then you look back the season before and it, they were just a team that you penciled in as like winning it all. Um, so I think people are definitely sleeping on them. Whether they did it just for the kind of clickbait and get people talking, I have no doubt. But. I think that, I think it's going to be a difficult year for them. Uh, but I absolutely think people are, yeah, uh, under underrating them. Uh, I think they're probably going to be top four um, at this early stage, but I mean, you know, I'll I'll wait to put that in pen, uh, but you know, <laughs> until we actually have a season preview uh, podcast. Yeah, it's difficult to pick anything because you don't know what teams are going to have players, and yeah, yeah it's, it's awkward. Yeah, I think, but based on what we know today, I'd pick the West because apart from the Nets, which is obviously a big uh, change in the East next season potentially. It seems, again, from what we know today, it seems like more of the same in terms of teams running it back. Uh, yeah. and probably having similar outcomes. Maybe Boston are slightly better with their young core um, another year older. But in the West, we have Houston, who will probably be completely different. We have OKC, who may or may not cash in on the players they have. Uh, we have Denver trying to prove, like, was the performance in the playoffs uh, a fluke or are they really <laughs> legit contenders again? Mm-hmm. Utah, you never quite know where to pencil them in in the playoff brackets. Uh, Luca in Dallas, uh, how the Clippers respond to a disappointing playoffs. There's so many storylines in the West. I think it's hard to overlook that conference. Yeah, we, we've got a couple of articles coming over the next sort of two or three weeks where we're going to be looking at some of those um, questions. We just thought we'd do, do like a roundtable of everyone who contributes and, and get people's opinions. So the first of those will be up this week and it's just simple one. Will the Lakers uh, win back-to-back NBA titles? And then we'll we'll go from there. Um, another question was Richard Fang 8. Um, with it becoming likelier and likelier that Derek Rose will be moving to the Lakers next season, my questions are, do you think he'll fit in Los Angeles? What do you think the trade could potentially look like and finally, do you think the move will lead him to find will let him finally get a ring? That's an interesting. There's a lot of there's a lot to digest there. <laughs> I think the Lakers will definitely look for someone to like add to the depth. I know a lot of people have used the rings that they've just won as like justification for the just basically a pile of crap that the rest of the roster was. Yeah, uh, but they they do need someone to <laughs> to ease the load a bit more going forward. Whether it's Derek Rose. I'm not sure. I actually haven't heard many rumours about that. I've heard a lot of other players linked with the Lakers. Chris um, Paul's been popping up as well. They're, they're, like, it seems to be the same names every every yeah. summer. I think. I don't think, I they, think they, have they will the make a move, to, but I don't think they, ask, they have the assets for someone like Chris Paul because um, it's basically Kuzma and maybe you've got a trade of Kuzma. They've yeah. got the 2026 20, pick, and that's about it going forward. So I mean, it's whoever will buy on something like that, and whoever rates Kuzma, and then you've got to take it from there. It, it'll become a. The, the LeBron team that we've seen for the past eight years 
Um, that's Stay the same. Sort of how we're going to see it going forward. They're going to sign one to two year contracts, um, you know, and just re-up them each year um, and make little tweaks here and there. Um, get get the Lakers to overpay for for a useless big, um, yeah. and you know they'll they'll make it to the finals maybe. Hey, you can't be calling Aaron Baines useless. <laughs> Aaron Baines would be a great pickup, um, but yeah, yeah. Tr- if you get Tristan Thompson in there, then um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not convinced. I guess, I guess I guess it all comes down to like if Rondo walks because if Rondo walks, I mean he's obviously had that postseason. He could he can get more money than what he will get from the Lakers if he takes that extra year. But it depends what he wants now, isn't it? Because yeah, he, yeah. you know he's if he gets a bunch of money, he'll probably be happy with two rings um, on two of the most iconic franchises ever. <laughs> yeah. so. I think yeah, with, with uh, Rondo, it's also what the demand for him is as good as he's been he's also infinitely more valuable on a team like the Lakers where he can yeah, coast yeah. through the entire season and then play big yeah. in some meaningful games versus actually being relied upon through the regular season for example um, with regards to Derek Rose I think uh, it was actually a little bit overlooked quite how good he was this year because he was on a miserable Pistons team but he actually probably had the best season he's had since uh, yep, since he was young with the Bulls Um and the the reason I like him with the Lakers potentially is he can do a like poor man's impression of Kyrie when uh, <laughs> the role he played with LeBron in that Le- what LeBron needs is those possessions he sits out. He needs a playmaker like Rondo could be and someone else mm. to put up points. You saw they were like way too reliant on yeah. Davis and LeBron um, and someone like Rose who's not just going to spot up and shoot because it's not. He shot a lot better this year, actually, but it's not his like strong suit. Actually, handling the ball and taking possession, giving LeBron a breast for possessions, particularly like in the regular season, would be huge for the Lakers. I think with Ron, I mean, I'm not sold on Rose being a a player you want to get you over the edge of a title uh, on on a title run. I mean, I think Rondo is better suited to that, and perhaps you know, perhaps he can. Uh, I don't know whether you guys saw. Uh, Momenti's video a, f- a few weeks ago about like so, or maybe it was just um, an idea that they had on one of their podcast chats but uh, with Loz but um, he came up with the idea of signing players uh, where you don't have to pay them the whole year um, or you don't even have to play them for the regular season you just bring them in for the playoffs um, you know <laughs> yeah. pe- people like Andre Iguodala um, and I think mm-hmm. Rondo is is a perfect player for that sort of thing you know pay him not to do anything all year just sit around and don't get fat and you know <laughs> cut, cut, come back uh well, when we actually need you and we're, the regular season we'll just give the young guys some legs see who we, who we can rely on yeah just do an iggy just refuse to play yeah. for the team that you're currently on and then end up going somewhere else and signing a decent a decent deal um so just sorry to interrupt you, Matt. Just while we're on that subject of uh, Rondo and Derek Rose, if if anyone, I think it was two thousand and nine, it, where they those guys faced off when they were both young, uh, like the Bulls versus the Celtics. If anyone hasn't watched uh, that series, yeah, that was an unbelievable series. If you go back, was and that watch the Ben Gordon series I mentioned earlier? It might have been. Uh, was that the year before? Yeah, I think that was earlier. But just the like sheer athleticism of Rondo versus Rose when they were both like real prime athletes prime. was unbelievable. Sorry, yeah, just definitely. had to get it in there. It reminded me no, talking no, about those two. No, you're fine. Um, another idea that's been floated up is obviously 
Tom, you t- you mentioned trading Kuzma. Kuzma, I think, showed that he could develop this year. He was a lot um, more stable and reliable in the NBA Finals than he was throughout um, large periods of the regular season. But with Buddy Heald now available, Ooh. supposedly, would you would you try and trade that number twenty eight um, pick in the in the first round this year and Kuzma for someone like Buddy Heald, or is is that the spot up shooter that you know Nick just said you don't really want? I like Heald, but I think he's on something like twenty three and a half million a year, which for the Lakers would just be really hard to stomach if they can even make it possible. I'm not sure. I think it would have to involve probably getting rid of Danny Green to make the salary yeah. cap work because he's yeah. on yeah. 14, 15, something like that. So, yeah. It, uh, and he, he didn't have a great postseason, no, I true. guess. Is Green on a two-year? Yeah. he's. Uh, so next year is the last in Danny Green's contract. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people to put. I think there's 10, 10 players are up for either free agency or they've mm. got uh, one year left on their contract that they mm. can take. Classic um, LeBron team. Yeah, <laughs> AD's obviously opted out and is apparently willing to build that contract around whatever the cap situation ends up being so that the Lakers can can compete more. Um, right, uh, did we have any more questions? Uh, well, Ginger, Ginger Shack asked about the UK community. Um, we did answer this quickly earlier, but I just want to get your thoughts on it. Um, thoughts on the UK community during the hiatus and during the bubble. Has it? Have you seen growth and change? Um, Hugh, you obviously write quite a bit for Sky these days. Have you seen sort of growth and change when you've been doing things? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And a big reason is because of, uh, you know, what Ginger Shack and the rest of the guys at NBA UK fans do. You know, they've, yeah. they they really held it down, um, did a fantastic job at creating regular content. I think we played our part in that as well. You know, we, I think... I think we struggled with the the lack of games, um, but you know we were able to do a lot with, um, uh, you know, jo- Josh held it down with like the movies podcasts. Um, I did one yep. or two on like Black Lives Matter that sort of thing, and there were there were a lot of and you know we had things like the Last Dance that really helped keep mm. everybody taken over. And uh, I was I sort of made a note about this that like I think the Last Dance it did wonders for the UK community and it's a shame that actually we haven't been able to capitalize on that because there's no the momentum. Yeah. There, there's, yeah. Because, because you know, there's no, you, you guys, well, uh, certainly Nick, Tom, maybe, but like we play basketball to, to a low standard and, and, <laughs> you know, I haven't been able to go back yet. <laughs> and um, I, I was really looking forward to going back and seeing a bunch of new faces and uh, meet mm. a bunch of new people that had been, you know, inspired to either start or, or start again after many years off after seeing the last dance, because it felt during that time um, that, you know, it was thriving. The UK community was really thriving and I was really looking forward to, to, to sort of experiencing that in person, um, you know, go into yeah. games and go and, you know, staying up with people watching games. And, and we did a lot of that when the NBA returned, but yes, it's a shame that we haven't been able to capitalize on it physically um, in, in that way. You've just pointed out a fatal flaw in me as a sixth man host is the fact that I don't actually play. So I'm not coming on and getting any buckets. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Not everybody does. Two, 2K counts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Brilliant. Um, you know, normally we would do games of the week. Well, obviously there's there's nothing here. Um, so I'm just going to ask you this. What are you guys doing to fill the void at the moment? Has anyone taken up fishing or huh. some strange sports? Is anybody running, doing couch to 5K? You know, I have been running things. but I... It's funny because now I feel like I engage with more basketball content now than I do in the season. 
just because I yeah. go like all in on the draft, like that withdrawal symptom that I have from the games. I just fill with anything that's out there in VAY. So I'm going to thoroughly enjoy looking at the second round of the this terrible <laughs> NBA draft and learning everything about every prospect. Uh, so I'm moving house, which seems to dominate my free time. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, just um, trying to get to the gym a lot, stay in some modicum like of health um <laughs> when i can uh, but yeah it's uh it's difficult um as she was saying like not being able to play like when it's forced on you is is tough mm. yeah yeah i've been you know doing d- doing running to you know um <laughs> that's so enthusiastic that's that's so I'll, I'll, I'll add you on strava tom um yeah great but yeah no like i've yeah, I've been getting back into the into WWE, so yeah, that's why all the all the wrestling references have come back out because uh, yeah, that's, that's what I tend to do when I've got no basketball to watch. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm researching the draft a little bit to do some stuff with Sky, um, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's um th- this is the time of year when it's like silly season in politics, isn't it? It's like when you yeah. don't have that period. Um, that's every day now isn't it (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I think we're seeing a little bit this week I mean obviously we've had since LeBron won his championship we've had a bit of the uh, a bit of a bit of like LeBron (laughs) goat talk and I I saw like the the first like sort of little clap back at that where um, there was a Michael Jordan video leaked um, from the 1999 season where he went to just to a Bulls practice, and he uh, he showed out up this guy called Corey Benjamin, who I even had to look him up. I was uh, I, I didn't he lasted four seasons apparently, and was like he was just a, a bench player, um, and he just got destroyed <laughs> by Jordan. And uh, it was uh, I think it was on on the uh, Twitter account Hoops Department, and I don't know whether it was, but I suspect it might have been Michael Jordan just saying, "Yeah, well, this." You know, release the release the sort of you know the pirate tapes, um, and you know, and show how I was still schooling <laughs> people even after I'd retired a second time. I reckon, and then well, they'll well, and then they'll release the uh, the games of him losing to the Magic in 1995 in the playoffs <laughs> that people sort of imagine didn't actually happen. Yeah, well, I, I reckon next time LeBron wins, we'll see the Wizards' years, and we'll see uh, <laughs> we'll see Michael Jordan scoring, the real last dance. We'll yeah. see Michael Jordan scoring forty three at the age of forty, and uh, yeah, I look forward to that. Some of these secret documentaries that are probably being filmed at the moment that we know nothing about. I know there's a Kobe one coming out, and I know LeBron has said he's he's got something coming, so we'll have to wait and see. Anyway, um, thank you everybody who's dropped by on the Twitch chat tonight. I see you out there, Hoops Genius of obviously of Sky Sports, Ginger Shack, NBA UK fans, Flying Tortoise, a, a very long time podcast listener. I think he's actually been here since the first episode, which is damn impressive. Um, Captain Kirk, uh, Matt Hardy. I'm running out of the people. I've, I've probably said the same people, but yeah, thank you to everyone who's turned up uh, to have a, have a watch today. Um, you can obviously do so next week again. It's the same uh, same address. Double Clutch. Uh, uh, sorry, Twitch.uk forward slash Double Clutch UK. Um, the website is doubleclutch.uk. We had a piece called The Evolution of Duncan Robertson, which had some fantastic artwork from Steve Laird, who's one of our graphic designers. Um, Sid wrote that one. It's a great piece. Go and check that out. Um, we have obviously got some off-season content coming. As I mentioned, we've all been working hard on that behind the scenes. Um, Twitter is 
it, it's floating along at the moment. Twitter, I think that it's died. I have noticed that sort of it's died down the last few days of people talking about basketball, but I'm sure it'll pick up again. We should do something on like we should do something on some European players or something maybe. Yeah, <laughs> that is coming. <laughs> Hundred <laughs> percent coming. I, I, all the artworks there. I'm not wasting all that artwork. Um, but that's what I've been doing when there's been no basketball. I actually subscribed to the Athletic, so I've got the Athletic for twelve pound for twelve months, which is Brilliant. amazing. Um, so I'm checking out the Athletic finally, which is you know well worth the praise it gets. Um, so yeah, that's what I, that's what I've I've been doing, and obviously the roundtable content which we've got coming out. But is there anything you guys need to? Shout out or plug before we before we go. Uh, Yemi Bamiro, he's uh, got an, a new um, sneakers documentary coming out in the next few weeks. I think it, he said to me it will be on the BBC in um, in November. But it's about Jumpman, about Jordan, and about the dark side of Jordans. Um, and yeah, I've got an interview with him coming out in the next few days. The dark so side. Keep an eye out for that. And your Jeff Perlman interview, which is up now. So. Go and check that out if you haven't done so already. And watch it on YouTube. It's also on YouTube, which Kirk is putting quite a bit of effort into getting um, our videos and, and bits and bobs working. Um, Flying Tortoise just put, I think I remember Corey Benjamin. So we're not we're not, <laughs> not alone there. Um, thank you very much, guys. It's been a pleasure. And uh, we will be back next week at this usual time of nine o'clock. Thank you very much. Peace. Get off my bridge. <laughs>